Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast with me, Matt Chorley, bringing you the best of my Times Radio show, Monday to Thursday, 10 till 1. An absolutely packed show today. Uh, we uh, dissected the US uh, presidential debate. If you can bear to relive uh, all of that, then you can listen back to the Times Radio show on the Times Radio app or online. Uh, we also did Disunited Kingdom, going to the four corners of the UK to find out what was happening there. Confusion on coronavirus abounds. We also talked a lot about dogs on the show and you sent in your political dog breeds. Um, Spaniel Kaczynski was particularly good. Jacob Rees' dog was less good. Uh, Dominic Cummings being uh, St. Bernard Castle uh, was also uh, very good. However, because it's Wednesday, of course, it meant this. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman. So, as ever, joined in the studio by Tim Shipman, political editor of the Sunday Times. But before we come to the main exchanges, we've just got a statement from the Speaker of the House of Commons, Lindsay Hoyle. I wish to make a statement about this House's scrutiny of delegated powers during the pandemic and on the selection of amendments to the motion relating to the Coronavirus Act later today. Scrutiny of delegated powers during the pandemic and on the selection of amendments to the motion relating to the Coronavirus Act later today. The way in which the Government has exercised its powers to make secondary legislation during this crisis has been totally unsatisfactory. All too often, important statutory instruments have been published a matter of hours before they come into force, and some explanations why important measures have come into effect before they can be laid before this House has been unconvincing and shows a total disregard for the House. The Government must make greater efforts to prepare measures more quickly so that this House can debate and decide upon the most significant measures at the earliest possible point. The use of made affirmative statutory instruments under the urgency procedure gives rise to particular concern. I will give very sympathetic considerations to applications for urgent questions or emergency debates in such cases requiring ministers to come to the dispatch box to justify the use of such powers. I hope that all honourable members will have a chance to express their views through substantive amendable motions on scrutiny of delegated powers or on the operation of the Coronavirus Act 2020, or both. But I turn now to the motion to be considered later today, which invites the House to make a narrow, binary choice as to whether the temporary provisions of the Coronavirus Act 2020 should or should not expire. Unfortunately, as it is only a 90-minute debate, as proceeding under the Act, under SO16, I am disappointed that I cannot give additional time to discuss the issues. I know some members will be disappointed. When I became Speaker, I made it clear that I would take decisions on matters relating to procedure, 
guided by professional advice. I have concluded, on the basis of advice that I have received, that any amendment to the motion before the House risks giving rise to uncertainty about the decision the House has taken. This then risks decisions which are rightly the responsibility of Parliament, ultimately being determined by the courts. Lack of clarity in such important matters risks undermining the rule of law. I have therefore decided not to select any of the amendments to the motion. As I hope my early comments show, I have not taken this decision lightly. I am looking to the Government to remedy a situation I regard as completely unsatisfactory. I am now looking to the Government to rebuild the trust with this House and not treat it with the contempt that it has shown. So that's quite an attack from Lindsay Hoyle there on the government's strategy. Basically, to try and pick through what that actually means, what he's saying is that the rebels, we think there's about 80 of them, Tory MPs, who want more of a say on uh, the coronavirus restrictions the government is putting in place. Uh, He said that the amendment that they tabled, the Brady Amendment, uh, as it's known, tabled by uh, Sir Graham Brady, uh, he's saying that basically it's out of order, that if if that ended up being passed, nobody would be quite sure what the House wanted. However, he's made quite clear he's not happy about the way the government is going about it uh, and is more than willing to give MPs lots of opportunities to scrutinise more what the government is doing. That's pretty extraordinary intervention from uh, the Speaker of the House of Commons, which we'll come back to. But now let's go live to the House of Commons. And this is Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I join the Prime Minister in sending my deepest condolences to the family and friends of Sergeant Matt Ritana? This was a truly appalling incident, and I have to say, every time I contemplate the circumstances, I shudder, and I suspect I'm speaking for a lot of people when I say that. It reminds us of the huge debt that we owe all of our police officers and the risks that they take every day to keep us safe. Mr Speaker, over 16 million people that's about one in four, are now living under local restrictions. In recent months, 48 areas in England have gone into local restrictions, but only one has ever come out and stayed out. That's Luton. Why does the Prime Minister think that is? Minister. Well, Mr Speaker, the the Right Honourable Gentleman is absolutely right to uh, draw attention to the importance of local uh, lockdown measures, and uh, I can just uh, tell him and tell the House that since I last updated the House, he's absolutely right to say that uh, there is now a serious and uh, growing uh, problem with the resurgence of the of the virus, and that's why we brought forward the package of measures that we did uh, last week. The reason, I think, for the success of, uh, of Luton uh, is that local people uh, pulled together uh, to depress the virus, to follow the guidance, and that is the, the way forward uh, for the entire country. And that is what we did before in, uh, in March and April, and I've no doubt that that is what we're going to do again. Actually, a really interesting question. Keir Starmer sort of asking the question that lots of people, I was going to say down the pub, but not everyone can go to the pub these days, but would have been asking down the virtual pub or maybe on their virtual Zoom pub chats with their friends. 
Like, why? At what point do you reach where uh, the entire country just has to go into a local lockdown? Well, that, that may be approaching. Uh, I think uh, what, what I would say about that little exchange, I think we ought to have a gong that we can bang because that was a question asked, and the prime minister actually appeared to answer. <laughs> can we do that? We'll, can we, we'll get a gong in for next week. We'll definitely get a gong into the uh, into the studio. A serious question was asked, and he actually provided a, a, a considered response to it. And he seemed a bit uh, sort of weary. And I think the question that um, lots of people were asking is: It's all well and good to go into a local lockdown because there's a flare up but as he points out only Luton has ever come out of it and when he asks why is it only Luton has come out of it Boris Johnson said because people of Luton uh, pulled together and followed the guidance they didn't obviously pull together in groups of more than six though no right? exactly and also the implication again well it's not my fault it's the fault of the areas you know uh, put into local lockdown it's your fault if you can't get out of it yeah, I mean, this has been a, a constant refrain, but to a degree, this is what the government has to do. Um, the rules, ultimately, are only part of what matters. It's it's adherence to the rules and the fact that has um, that actually matter. Um, and you talk to people in the centre of government and they say what we need is behavioural change and they're trying to affect that in different ways. Um, and if people don't like the government saying it's somebody else's fault... Um, they ought to have a look in the mirror as well. Um, yeah, obviously, following the rules is easier if even the Prime Minister can explain them in correct. public. Correct. Yeah. OK, let's go back to the House of Commons. Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, when local restrictions were introduced, the Prime Minister described them as a whack-a-mole strategy. That implies that at some stage the mole goes down and restrictions are lifted. But in fact, in some lockdown areas, infection rates are still going up. And in towns like Bradford, Bury and Oldham, Restrictions have now been in place for months. For many of those communities that are affected, things feel like they're getting worse, not better. So I ask a question on their behalf. What is the Prime Minister's strategy for bringing these cases out of restrictions so they can see their families again? Well, Mr Speaker, nobody wants to impose uh, restrictions of this kind, uh, whether in Bradford or uh, anywhere else in the, in the country. And uh, we work very closely with local authorities uh, to ensure that we have the right mix uh, of the approach that we, that we adopt. But uh, frankly, when you have the virus going up in the way that it is now in, in some parts of the, of the country, you have to take strong local action. I think one important difference between the, the, the way the virus is behaving this time and in the spring is it does appear at the moment as though uh, the illness is more localised. That's why you need direct local action of the kind that we're taking in addition, in addition to the strong national measures that we announced last, uh, last week and uh, which he supported and whose effect we hope to see in the coming days and weeks. The illness is more localised. What does that mean? The, the, the coronavirus is staying, it's, it's holidaying at home, it's not travelling around the country. I think the point is that what they've discovered is that the real way this virus moves about is by people getting together in close confinement um, and that, uh, you know, it is about who you visit in your local street and up the road and round the corner as much as it is about um, anything else. Um, and so, you know, that's why the strategy is focused um, in the way that it has. Um, but it all looks at the moment like it doesn't 
quite working. And what Starmer's trying to do again is say, you know, what's your strategy? What's what happens next? Where where does this go in the next few weeks? What are you actually aiming at? Um, and I wrote a piece at the weekend trying to explain what their strategy was, and it took me quite some time to get anybody to really explain it. Um, and that, you know, what they would say if they're being honest is, we know this is going to go up and down. The more you let it go up, the harder you have to lock down to stop it. And what that, they expect little waves of tweaks in the rules, and they want small waves, not blooming great tidal waves but they haven't really explained that and i suppose that what people really want is some clarity and some consistency you know the, the, there's this whole slight sense of oh you know right, today we're going to clear it all up it's the rule of six that's not what we're going to live by and a week later well, actually no, we need to move you know we need to change again we're going to make the pub shut early following week oh actually we're going to put you know more of the country into local lockdown and that's that sort of it, it, it communicates that it's not that they, they don't necessarily have a grip on it and, and no i don't think they have and, a grip on it i think they're they're feeling their way um and and in a sense they've got you know they've got much more data than they had in the spring they can see you know how this is evolving day to day um they're not just operating on guesswork on what might happen in two weeks time you know someone said to me at the weekend um in, in the spring we didn't even know what was happening now when we had to try and affect it. Two weeks later, you'd find out what was happening now. They do now know what is happening now. They just don't quite know if they do something, what will happen in two weeks' time. So they're in a slightly better position. Uh, and that means that they think they don't have to be quite so draconian. But if it carries on like this, then they probably will be. And, you know, they haven't explained that. In the whack-a-mole strategy, they now know where the mole is, but whether or not they know how to whack it is a slightly different question. Let's go back to Keir Starmer. Starmer. Mr Speaker, one of the major problems, as we've seen in the last 24 hours, is widespread confusion about the local restrictions. And I don't just mean the Prime Minister not knowing his own rules. Having sat opposite the Prime Minister at PMQs every week, that didn't come as a surprise to me. But let me quote to him, let me quote to him the Conservative Council leader in Bolton, the Conservative leader. He said this about the government's handling of restrictions. It's breeding resentment. It's become too complex, too complicated. People feel very let down and very frustrated and very forgotten. Mr Speaker, if the Prime Minister doesn't understand the rules and his own council leaders are complaining about mixed messages, how does the Prime Minister expect the rest of the country to understand and follow the rules? Uh, Mr Speaker, actually I think that uh, the people in this country do understand and overwhelmingly do follow the rules. And that, I may say, is in, is in spite of the, in spite of the uh, efforts of the, of the Leader of the Opposition uh, continually uh, to try uh, to snipe from the sidelines, uh, to undermine uh, what, we are, what, we are trying, uh, what we are trying to do. And, uh, I, and he mentions, he mentions the, the restrictions in, in the northeast, uh, and I cleared that matter, matter up as fast as I, as I could. It's very clear that you shouldn't mix uh, indoors, either at, uh, at home or in a hospitality setting, and you should avoid uh, socialising outdoors. That is that we need to apply that in the northeast because that is where it is spiking. I think people do understand why we're doing that. I think people too do get it. I think people want us to defeat this virus, and they want to see us doing it together, Mr Speaker. And so can I invite him? Uh, you know, sometimes he, he backs the government, sometimes he, sno- he snipes from the sidelines. Can, can I ask him uh, to be a little bit consistent, show some support, let, let's, let's hear him try and instil some confidence in the British people in the measures that he, that he supports, Mr Speaker. Yeah. 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 
Ah, oh, we got there in the end. Yes. The old, why don't you, uh, why don't you back me? We're anyway. having a cons- consistency off now. Um, um, some, in fact, somebody's just texted in, uh, not put a name on it, um, ending 182. Does failing to oppose corona restrictions make Keir Starmer a government poodle? <laughs> well, some on the left would say it does. Um, and, you know, a lot of the criticism in his own party is from people who think you must oppose in all circumstances and quite vociferously. Starmer, you know, like the lawyer he is, he's instead building a prosecutorial case, um, which he hopes to put to the British public the next time there's a general election. Um, and these are slightly different things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Boris Johnson has not been consistent in terms of the rules, as you were saying a few moments ago, and he's now having a pop at Keir Starmer for changing his position. If you like what you're hearing, you can listen to the whole of my Times radio show. Either listen back on the Times Radio app, or you can listen live Monday to Thursday, 10 till 1. We'll have more on the episode after this. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Mr. Speaker, the idea, the idea that anybody who asks the Prime Minister a question, uh, Prime Minister's questions, is undermining the government effort, is wearing (laughs) a bit thin. We, We have openly supported the restrictions, but it's perfectly reasonable to ask why they're not working. Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, I spoke to the leader of Newcastle Council yesterday. He said the other big problem, apart from government messaging, is the lack of economic support being provided to local communities under restrictions. Newcastle Council indicate that by the end of the year, 10,000 jobs in hospitality will have been lost. Many businesses are forced to stay closed. Prime Minister, But for these extraordinary restrictions, these are viable jobs. These businesses are doing the right thing. Why has the government decided that these jobs aren't worth saving? Well, uh, Mr Speaker, we're going to, as I've said repeatedly, we're putting our arms around the whole of the UK economy. We will do everything we can to save to save every job i must say i saw the i saw the leader of uh, the labor leader of, uh, of newcastle and i was rather surprised by what he said because actually uh, uh, to the best of my knowledge they were calling for the measures uh, that we put in and and, and the, the best way the best way to protect our jobs and our economy is to continue to work together uh, to uh, to comply with the measures to drive down the virus to keep our children in education which is an absolute priority 
prosperity for this country and to keep the economy moving. That's what we want to do. Now, that's, this, that's the strategy. That's the approach that he supported last week. Uh, he now says he, 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 he simultaneously attacks and doesn't attack uh, the restrictions. Which is it? He's got to make up his mind. Uh, if, if, he, if he supports the government policy, if he supports these restrictions, will he say so now? <laughs> I mean, he's already said he supports them. Um, uh, in the previous exchange, Keir Starmer said we, report, we support the restrictions, but it's reasonable to ask why they're not working. And that, 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 there is PMQs for you. Yes, exactly. But I thought the other interesting thing there was that Starmer is going after the government on the economy a little bit. Um, and the dilemma they've got is that because there's no national lockdown, they've e- Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, has eased the amount of money that is going in. You know, the furlough scheme is lifting. The scheme he's put in place probably provides about a fifth of the money to uh, people who are uh, in need uh, of the existing scheme. Um, but if we as you put it earlier, have so many local lockdowns that we effectively have a national lockdown. Um, those people are going to need some cash, and that's quite a sort of good thread for the Labour Party to pull on, I think. Yeah, no wonder the uh, the budget was cancelled, given that everything seems to have changed week by week. Uh, let's go back to Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer! I support the restrictions. I've done so every single time the Prime Minister's introduced it. He, he well knows that. The question I've asked is, because of the restrictions, lots of people's jobs are at risk. Lots of people's jobs, 10,000 people's jobs in Newcastle in hospitality because of the restrictions. I support, I support the restrictions. What I'm asking the Prime Minister is can the economic support go in for those that will lose their jobs? And he didn't answer that. There's 10,000 people that wanted an answer to that last question because they're going to lose their jobs by Christmas. Prime Minister, you really should have answered it. The reality is that the Chancellor's made a political choice to reduce economic support just when the new health restrictions are coming in. If the Prime Minister doesn't accept that from me, if the Prime Minister doesn't accept that from me, maybe he'll listen to the following example from the Chancellor's own constituency. This is the business owner, Prime Minister. You might want to listen to what he has to say. We own a wedding venue in Richmond, North Yorkshire. The the Chancellor's latest plan does nothing to help us. We can't employ people to work in events that the Government are not allowing to take place. Our events team are looking in the face of redundancy as we simply can't afford to pay wages when events are in lockdown. These jobs here are viable if only the government would allow us to return to work. My events team, he goes on to say, are talented and fantastic and it's an insult to suggest their jobs are not worth saving. So this isn't about supporting restrictions, Prime Minister. It's about what the Prime Minister has to say to those that are at risk of losing their jobs and businesses. What on behalf of the Chancellor does he say to that business owner? Just, just say, look, it's very important, but just to remind everybody, it is Prime Minister's questions, not opposition questions. Prime Minister. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very grateful, Mr. It's just worth pointing out that, um, that things are already a bit fractious between Lindsay Hoyle and, and Boris Johnson, given Lindsay Hoyle's uh, signal that he's going to, uh, n- although not call the amendment that some uh, Tory rebels wanted, he is sympathetic to their idea that, that the Prime Minister is showing contempt for Parliament. So he's, t- he's ticking off Boris Johnson again, basically not to just get up and ask Yes, Keir he's doing a bit of a burke, but without the florid rhetoric. So, interestingly, Keir Starmer there with, a, with an email from uh, a wedding business in Rishi Sunak's constituency asking for help. Uh, let's see if Boris Johnson's going to give it. Mr Speaker, because uh, I think that the, the answer uh, is, is very clear. And I think last week the, uh, the Labour Party supported uh, the package, the winter economic plan uh, that the Chancellor 
put forward, and I think that most people looking at the 190 billion uh, that we've uh, invested in supporting uh, people across this country will, will recognise, which is, by the way, uh, the, and the furlough plan alone was far more generous, is far more generous than any other European country. I think most people around the world can see that this government is putting its arms around the people in this country, helping them through, and we will, we will help. And I know that the wedding sector has had a particularly tough time, and I, of course I feel uh, for the gentleman uh, that he refers to in Richmond in Yorkshire who's, uh, who wants his business to go ahead. But the best way forward uh, for him and for all other business in the country is if we all pull together now, get the virus down, keep the, keep the economy moving. And in the meantime, yes, of course, this government is able to supply the support that is needed, which, by the way, is only possible because we had a prudent, sensible, one-nation, conservative party in power over the last 10 years, and the, the Labour Party would have bankrupted the country. Keir Starmer's well, last question now in the House of Commons. Mr. Spe Mr Speaker, it's refreshing to hear the Prime Minister trying to dig the Chancellor out of a hole for a change, but I don't think that will wash. The Prime Minister just doesn't get it. The problem with his argument is this. These are viable jobs, Prime Minister, but for the restrictions. The vacancies for new jobs just don't exist. And the training scheme the Prime Minister announced yesterday doesn't start until April. There is a gap here, and the Prime Minister shouldn't be so tin-eared to those whose jobs are at risk. Finally, Mr Speaker, tomorrow marks the start of Black History Month. As well as celebrating the huge contribution black people have made to the UK, we must also reflect on the present and the structural inequalities and discrimination that sadly persist. For example, black women in the UK are five times more likely to die in pregnancy and childbirth. That is truly shocking. Will the Prime Minister commit to addressing this and launch an urgent investigation into the issue? Uh, the Right Honourable Gentleman knows full well that this Government has launched a, an urgent investigation into inequalities across the whole of society, and, uh, and, and we will certainly address them in a, in a, in a, in a thoroughgoing way. I'm, and I'm amazed that he, uh, that he seems ignorant of, uh, of that fact. Uh, absolutely, absolutely amazed. I mean, Mr Speaker, uh, it, it is a quite extraordinary state of affairs, uh, the, the, the Honourable, right Honourable General's general line of questioning, because one, one week, one, in fact, one moment he's supporting the restrictions, the next moment uh, he seems to, be, uh, seems to be opposing them. One, one day they're, they're theoretically marching side by side with the rest of us trying to defeat coronavirus, the next minute they're off in the undergrowth firing uh, from, the, from the sidelines. And I must, I must repeat it, it was the Right Honourable Lady, the Shadow Education Secretary, who really revealed uh, what Labour is all about, what the opposition is all about. She said this was a good crisis which they intended to exploit. We see this, we see this as a moment for the nation to come together, and that's what we're doing. And we, and we are taking the tough decisions that will get this country forward, take this country forward, not just the, uh, the life time skills guarantee, which he was kind enough uh, to mention, but also the huge investments we're making in the NHS, in our policing, in affordable housing. This is, the, this is the government, this is the party that is taking the tough decisions to take this country forward, while I'm afraid, Mr Speaker, once again, all they want to do is snipe from the sidelines. Well, some, it was sort of greatest hits there uh, from Boris Johnson at the end, accusing Labour of snipers from the sidelines. It still feels a bit like... Keir Starmer was sort of on to something, 
we've supported your restrictions. You told me uh, that he was going to work. I've supported you. They're not working. Why aren't they working? But he hasn't quite hit it home. No, but I think the interesting thing he did with a couple of those questions there was to go after Rishi Sunak. Um, sports fans will know a chap called Bill Belichick, who is the uh, coach of the New England Patriots American football team. He wins in different ways each week by taking out the best player from the opposition. And what you're now seeing is Labour going after the Chancellor, who so far has had a pretty kind of uh, charmed life since he took that job. Um, you know, he's plucking up constituents from the, from the guys, you know, placed up in uh, Richmond there. I mean, I thought for a moment the Prime Minister was going to offer to do his wedding at this wedding venue in order to <laughs> give it a boost, but that, uh, that didn't happen. But part of Boris Johnson, who's been seeing everybody tell him how wonderful Rishi Sunak is, uh, will be sort of thinking, I'm quite glad the Chancellor's in the foxhole with me now. Yeah, it's interesting. And even Keir Starmer made that point. It's interesting to see that Boris Johnson having to ride to Rishi Sunak's rescue because sometimes that happens around the other way. Uh, listen, we're hurtling right through, but we should we should take the at least the first uh, question from Ian Blackford, the leader of the SNP. The SNP, Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I associate myself with the remarks of the Prime Minister and the leader of the opposition for the murder of Sergeant Matt Ratana? A truly shocking incident. And we should applaud the efforts of our police and all our emergency services they do a wonderful job to keep the rest of us safe. Our thoughts are very much with Matt's family, friends and colleagues. And indeed, to associate myself with the remarks of the Leader of the Opposition on Black History Month and the responsibility that we all have to eradicate inequality. Uh, Mr Speaker, yesterday the Scottish Social Attitudes Survey revealed that just 15% of people trust the UK Government to work in Scotland's interest. Last night, Scotland's MPs voted overwhelmingly against the Tory power grab bill. But the Prime Minister forced it through anyway in the biggest attack on our Scottish Parliament in the history of devolution. So can I ask the Prime Minister if he cares to listen, and it's not a difficult question, why does he think the people of Scotland have no trust in him or his government? Uh, Mr Speaker, I'm afraid that uh, he's completely wrong in what he says about the, uh, the internal market bill and, uh, and, and perhaps uh, the people of Scotland deserve to, to hear a clearer account of what it does from him. Uh, the, the, after all, this bill devolves, uh, which is, I believe, support, this bill, which is, I believe, supported by uh, the right honourable general leader of the opposition, uh, actually devolves power uh, back down to uh, back to Scotland, gives power uh, back to Scotland, uh, enables uh, Scotland uh, not just to uh, take back control of uh, Scotland's spectacular fisheries, but also opens up markets for uh, Scottish agriculture around the world. Uh, I may tell the House today, Mr. Speaker, it's a historic day. Uh, because after 23 years in which every government, successive government has failed, uh, this government has managed to lift the ban on British beef in America. And, so, and Scottish, beef, uh, Scottish beef will be going uh, to the United States uh, thanks to the efforts of the British government, Mr Speaker. And I think that is a fact that he might, with advantage, uh, inform uh, his electorate in Scotland. Blackford. Well, let's come away from that. There's Ian Blackford asking, why don't Scots trust you? And he replied... We're now selling British beef to America. Well done. <laughs> so the main takeaway from today, is that, I think you're right, it's the first sign of Labour going after Rishi Sunak is probably the most significant thing that's happened. Yeah, that and I think the fact that the Speaker at the start has clearly made it 
clear that he wants to make the government's life difficult if they don't give Parliament more of a say. Uh, yeah, as you were saying, that basically the, uh, the Speaker, and we'll hear more uh, from Lindsay Hoy with um, Tom Newton Dunn in just a sec, but the Speaker basically saying the amendment as drawn up by the Tory rebels uh, <laughs> did not bring the clarity that the House uh, would need. It wouldn't be totally clear exactly what the House has decided. But he then said... Uh, he's he wants the government to remedy the situation. He says, I now look to the government to rebuild trust with this house and not treat it with the contempt that it has shown, which is probably uh, more damning than anything that uh, Keir Starmer actually managed. Yeah, and um, also it's the kind of thing that you would associate with uh, John Burko's speakership, but it was done, I think, with uh, sort of calm and dignity and quiet rage rather than uh, uh, flamboyant... Uh, Popping Jay grandstanding, um, <laughs> and that will probably have more of an impact as a consequence. Well, that was the end of PMQ's Unpacked. Tim Shipman, political of the Sunday Times, uh, guiding us through the main exchange between Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box podcast. Uh, you can now listen back to my whole show on the Times Radio app, where you can also now listen to all of the Times podcasts, including Red Box too. Make sure you subscribe and review at the Red Box podcast wherever you listen. But for now, from me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye.